It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It's episode number 457. We made it through the election. Oh, wait, not really. Hi, Brother Kyle. <laughs> we Well, we're alive. Yeah, did you vote? That's, of course I voted. Good. You really did? Because there have been a lot of biking videos. I have, uh, and that's to, you know, get people to think about something else. Yeah, let, me, a- the, let me ask you this. Did you wake up uh, on election day with uh, with a tightness in your chest like you wouldn't believe? An anxiety that you can't describe? It's kind of that little bit of anxiety that I that I get sometimes like, oh, and I, I you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, and, and it's it's even more than here's the thing. In, the, in years past when I voted for president and sometimes who I vote for wins, uh, usually not, but sometimes they do. And, and then I, I move on. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, this person's the president. Well, I hope this happens. I hope we can do this. This year, I'm just terrified of the, the big truck rallies with, it, with the giant flags, you know, yelling at me in my car. Yeah. yeah. The, the, honestly, it terrified me because it's happened, it's happened a couple times now. Yeah. Uh, Utah, certainly no stranger to those truck rallies. You know, there was an interesting thing here locally at our, what what's called in Salt Lake. It's called the city county building where uh, at one part of the block, there was a Black Lives Matter protest going on. And on the opposite side of the block, and now this is just a, a regular city block size thing of property, there was a one of those truck rallies. And uh, and it's like, okay, oil and water, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> are we are we going to stay? What's happening here, oil and water? And, and just so you don't think that I'm saying, well, it's just the Republicans that are causing trouble. I was equally afraid that uh, the the opposing side of like of which you just mentioned are going to go down and break the windows out and loot, you know, my friend's shops in sure. Salt Lake City. Sure. I'm I'm equally as terrified. of I'm just terrified of stupidity this it, year. Well, and as someone pointed out to me, like, think of the two presidential candidates. I know there was a third and a fourth. Spare me, please. Uh, there there were two. Could could you pick Two more different people. Now everyone will throw in their little sharp witticisms of, yeah, because the other one would totally be whatever the thing is, right? That little slight that we think we're so clever that we threw that in. Well, no, because he, whatever that is, doesn't matter. Could you think of more two different people? Like who would lead differently, who have different platforms, who have different priorities? Could you possibly think of two different people and as of this recording, be neck and neck with each other. That just shows to me and others how divided the nation is. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and that's the, the thing that, that I and, and here I am going to pin some blame. OK, uh, sorry, okay. just deal okay. with it. But okay. I think over the last four years, that's one of the things is that we we've and, and that I don't like. Here's what I don't like about Donald Trump. They'll say, what about you know, this? And that? No, I, I, I like. You, you don't want me to admit it. I'm a Republican. Yeah. But his his divisiveness and his bullying and his attitude towards things is what just makes me sad um, and encourages people to, to be that way. And, and that's what bums me out about this. I just, and and like I say, there there are other people. I'll, I'll say they I hate to say Democrats, but people, you know, and, and Black Lives Matter movement. And it isn't the, the BLM movement. 
mm-hmm. but it it's people associated that trying to associate with that then again will destroy things and use it as an excuse just like trump supporters will use an excuse to bully and to to be a jerk about stuff well, on both sides well and i'll take it one step further i the interaction that i have had on social media and with i'm air quoting friends in the last three months, I am the worst person that I've ever been in my life. I'll really? admit it. Yeah. I I have gone after people who don't agree with me. I have raised contention. I have had arguments. Now, I'm hilarious and I always win those arguments, but I will say that I have created those situations. Contentions, not great, not my favorite. My wife has had to say, are we really proud we did that? Are we proud we did what we just did? You know, almost like I'm an infant because I was acting like an infant, but coming away from it going, are we really, are we really proud of what we did? Is this putting our best foot forward? Is this what we would hope that people would know uh, about you? If someone were to just happen upon this, is this what you would like them to know? And I'm like, no, it's not what I want them to know about me. I'll try and be better and do, but it really is. I mean, as far as that goes, there are lots of ways that I am the best me than I've ever been, but if I'm being 100% honest, I'm the worst me in that respect than I've ever been. And uh, I I can see that. And I find myself almost doing that. But I've been pretty good about catching myself. And and I'm trying to, especially st- starting today, I'm just trying to be positive on social media posts. I'm, I'm trying to just joke around. I'm trying to do mm-hmm. uh, like pretty sunset pictures of my bicycle. Sure. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm not doing divisive things. And some gorgeous photos, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, This is going to be a relatively short news episode because in the third block, um, because of uh, General Conference and because of the mentions of Liberty Jail, I decided that I wanted to talk and find out more about Liberty Jail. The time that Joseph Smith spent there, what it was like, what it wasn't like, our misconceptions and our misperceptions about that time. And we ended up going for a great length of time in that third block. So it's just going to be short news. I do want to ask you this though, anything that uh, other than all the politics and stuff that's been going on that I need to know about from you, brother Kyle. Oh, for me. Yeah. Is there anything that you've been doing that I need to know about? No, you know, there's plenty, but uh, we're trying to keep it short today. So maybe we'll, we'll talk another day. Okay. 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 So, so this is uh, obviously, as you're listening to this, it's a, uh, it's an, odd numbered episode normally our news episodes are even we will have a full news episode in our next episode so we'll just kind of hit some of the highlights here i will only say this as my here's kind of what's been going on my wife and i went to saint george uh over the weekend and we ended up finding ourselves in the same restaurant where we saw you when we went to saint george last time oh and i was very sad to not see you there this time well, we we were there in St. I was I've been in St. George I think the last three weekends, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I I will be again this next weekend. Uh, so well, I'm sorry I missed you there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. I I thought you know if I'm going to see him somewhere, it will be there because the only other thing that my wife did, my wife and I did when we were in St. George, besides go out to eat at restaurants, was sleep. We rented an Airbnb. And the only reason why we did it is we just didn't want to be in our house anymore. So we rented an Airbnb <laughs> right in downtown St. George, took our dog with us, and literally would go oh. out to eat, leave the dog at home, 
eat a bunch of food, come back. We watched some TV. I took a bunch of naps. And then we went and ate again and then came back and watched some TV and slept a bunch. We didn't allow ourselves to have computers or phones or any of that kind of stuff and just took that break. And it was great. Just a couple of days, but just a great It was great beautiful week. there, oh, wasn't yeah. it? It was oh, nice. Yeah. Weather was perfect. I'm sorry that we didn't see you. I tried to go to that restaurant as much as we could. And I just missed <laughs> you. Uh, let's come back in the uh, second block and we'll do some actual articles of news. Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. It's our ultra-mega back-to-school blowout sale. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars of ultra-high-quality laptops and desktops on sale for up to 50% off the original prices. We've got demos, scratch and dents, trade-ins, and funny colored computers. It's crazy! Remember, you get a lifetime service guarantee on any PC Laptops brand computer. That means if you mess up your Windows or you get a virus or spyware, it's covered forever. Got an old yucky computer? No problem. We'll take it in on trade and we'll transfer all your pictures, music, and all your stuff to your PC Laptops computer for free. When you get your computer from PC Laptops, we'll make sure you're taken care of for a lifetime. To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12 months special financing on any PC Laptops desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block, we're going to do some actual articles of news. But first, I wanted to share this review. Remember, you can review the Cultural Hall wherever you get it. Uh, most of those places are like Apple Podcasts. Maybe you get it on Spotify or you do the Google route. Uh, place to review in all of those venues. This is from Daxuswork. I think is how you say it. That's work. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure if that's how you say that. Uh, this review came in. It says I saw Richie T first on the LDS Church Saints Channel music interviews. Have you heard about that at all, brother Kyle? I I haven't heard of that. Well, so here's the deal. Uh, I got her. I got uh, hired by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and I do a whole bunch of different interviews with musicians. How about that? Oh, huh? really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, well. Now that you mention that, I, I remember you doing that, but I didn't remember the name of it. Yeah, it's called Saints Channel Studios. You can find it on YouTube at this point. Um, and there are, uh, at this point, three episodes that have been dropped. That's what you say uh, in the in the biz. You can see me visit with various artists about not only their music, but also about their life, their inspiration, and the spirit that comes behind it. So I thought that was cool that people are finding the cultural hall because of Saints Channel Music. Uh, so goes on Dak's work. I was happy because I've always felt that his interviews have been so fun, hilarious, and I love his little church references in that. And I, and I don't know why we have to call them little church references. 
They can be just regular-sized church references. I digress. I've been thrilled to see him be involved in these projects, and I'm so proud of Brother Richie. I love this episode. He's speaking of the Mormon Marriages episode, which if you haven't checked it out, please go back and find that. Um, They gave a lot of really congruent and informative information with a lot of things that I've learned from my BYU classes and from marriage itself. It was also really fun to hear an actual somebody younger LDS couple and their experience. And I love the examples that were shared, including the rice story and could totally relate. LOL. I love hearing Richie. I hope that everyone gets home safely and is nourished and strengthened. Please insert other church cliches here. Thanks for defending the faith, Richie and company. You're a part of the company, Kyle. And that review was left uh, on Apple podcast. So thank you. Dax work. That's work. Let's do some actual articles of news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. All right. Uh, I'm going to let you lead off on this because I just want to. My mom told me if I can't say anything nice, I shouldn't say anything at all. Oh, you want you want to talk about uh, Mike Lee referring to the president as Captain Moroni? Yes. Is that what you're yes. that you want to talk? About? Yes. Yes, I do. And I recognize as people are listening to this, they're like, the election is over. Why would you even mention this? Well, we haven't done an Articles of News yet. And I, I thought that my vitriol about this would be gone, and it isn't. Well, we like funny stories, and this is funny <laughs> in a sad way. Yeah, in a, in a very depressing humanity kind of way. So he's in Arizona, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, Senator Mike Lee of the state of Utah, uh, Senator Mike Lee, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, speaking, President Trump turns the time over to him, and he says the following. To my Mormon friends, my Latter-day Saint friends, and then he points at Donald Trump at an Arizona rally, think of him as Captain Moroni. He seeks not power, but to pull it down. He seeks not the praise of the world or the fake news, but he seeks the well-being and the peace of the American people. <laughs> yeah. to, to, to which I said, now here's the deal. So I, I am I, not. It I was am, hard to get through that with a straight face. I am not. I am by no means a Mike Lee um, defender, nor do I want people to, to think here. Here's the issue with it. Right. You you don't you don't use religious characters and i'm i'm not using character to be in a diminutive like uh captain moroni you know wasn't who he was all those things i'm not i'm not saying that i'm just saying you don't use um the people like that or the scriptures to manipulate a person to say look if you like moroni this is Mor-, like the comparison it it and he directly says to my mormon friends first yeah. of all mormon yeah it's well, the M word. We don't say it anymore. Well, he, Mr. Catches, Lee. he catches himself to my latter Latter Day Saint friends, and I I did think that that was peculiar that he did go to my Mormon ah uh, to my Latter Day Saint friends had to catch himself as far as that goes. But I just have I take such an issue regardless of how you feel about President Trump, and clearly half of the country thinks that he's great, and that's fine. That's mostly how, Utah. You know, you know, thinks lot, he's great. Yeah, a lot of Utah thinks, and, and you know, I'm not going to come at you or not or go against you as far as that goes. Okay, my issue literally is don't compare, don't use scripture to try and manipulate me to force feed me a way that I should think that I should feel whatever. Now, 
people will say, oh, but you sure got a laugh out of the King Noah for a president, right? Comparing uh, President Trump to King Noah, right? You saw the memes. It was all over. There was even a website, I think, King Noah for president. Right. Yeah. And to this, I would say, okay, maybe I could give you a little bit of leeway. Like we shouldn't do that. And maybe if I'm being altruistic, okay, we shouldn't, we should have just as much problem with that. If we have a problem with Mike Lee comparing president Trump to captain Moroni, but here is the difference. I think that the King Noah for president was parody. It was meant to be, you know, humorous it was meant to, sure, take a dig at President Trump. All right, I'll, I'll even give you that far. But I don't think there was anyone uh, in the organization of that particular website or that made the memes or anything like that that was like, hey, I am really going to try and skew the vote, manipulate the vote, make you feel guilty, etc., inspire you by saying, this is King Noah, who is Donald Trump, who is running for president. It was just a dumb joke. Whereas, counter that to Senator Mike Lee saying, this is Captain Moroni. You guys don't get it. I'm interpreting the scriptures for you. This is the guy. This guy. Right. Angry. Yeah. I, I was so... And... I, I don't even know where to go with it, but, but I have, I, I have most of my, well, all, all of my friends that are LDS that I, that mentioned this were like jaw on the floor, like what? Like, like active card carrying Republican and Democrat, both sides. Yeah. Like, wait, wait what can he, can he say that? Right. Can, can we, is he still a member? Can you do something that blasphemous? That was it was it was bizarre. Yeah. It was the ramblings of a crazy person. Well, and, and take it one step further, right? Like, even if you think that President Trump is great, and even if you're, you know, and you're, sure. if you're in the Trump camp, there were lots of those people who were like, no, you don't do this. Senator Lee, you don't do this. And you see, you see him afterwards uh, trying to walk it all back, saying, oh, you know, this is what I meant, and it wasn't a literal comparison, and, you know, all these things, because there were... Hundreds of people who called Senator Lee's office and said, not okay, pal. Yeah. Uh, and there was a, where was it here that uh, a couple of comments I saw, uh, Benjamin Park, a historian. Former tweeted, guest of the Cultural Hall. Right. Uh, tweeted out, I don't think I have to say this, and I don't feel like writing a whole op-ed about it, but let me be clear. Donald Trump is not a Captain Moroni. <laughs> yeah just, just like just like no just just no just no and, and 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 i think it's fair to point out because i don't think that people question where i lie in this whole thing and i'm really going to do my better part to to try and be not only a little bit more neutral but also maybe build on positive things uh maybe try and you know th this is by no means a political podcast or show available in podcast form but we do touch on things like this but i do want to be more like let's work together as opposed to let's be divisive uh i feel like i have a part in that even if it's just a minuscule teeny teeny tiny part to try and find solutions, ways that we can work together, ways that we can make America a better place than what it certainly is currently. But people of all sides said, no, n no, no, no. Not only no, but really no. Gross. Gross. Ew. <laughs> what? What did you? No, no. But the thing is, 
I don't know that it'll impact Senator Lee. He wasn't up for election this time. I think he's up in the next uh, run of elections. And, I, I, you know, I would be curious to see if that impacts him, if that's something that circles back either those comments or his true devotion to President Trump. It'll be interesting to see how people sort of react to that. I think his true devotion is there because he's up for some type of position with uh, with uh, Mr. Trump. Sure. If, uh, well, I mean, of course, been, he's he, got to be he's, reelected. Yeah, he's been con- he's been reconsidered uh, a couple of times as one of the Supreme Court um, justices or nominees or, you know, something like that. So, I mean, certainly could be. Uh, as I mentioned on the onset of this, this is short, so I'm going to give us three pretty quick stories, and then we're going to be done. All right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, there is an open casting call. You remember the uh, the uh, film Once I Was a Beehive? Oh, yeah, I do. Well, they're making a sequel. Really? And you could be in it, Brother Kyle. No. Yeah? No, you could. You have just the look. They need that one guy who uh, is in the hospital that they go and visit and feel lots of pity for. And you could be that guy. You know where I watched once I was a beehive? And I did watch it. Okay. When I was in the hospital. Really? <laughs> I'm in, in a hospital. Well, it's because I was going doing, you know, I was a lab rat and mm-hmm. they paid me to do t- drug tests on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I sat in my hospital bed with my laptop and I watched once I was a beehive. Really? Yeah. So I th- I feel like it's more than fitting that you should be um, considered for Once I Was Engaged. Uh, that's what the <laughs> film is called. Uh, if you want, you should submit a headshot, a short video, and a resume with your birthday and email address to onceiwasengaged at gmail.com. And I'll one include second. that. And one second. Yeah, once I was engaged at gmail.com. Once find it in the Find it in the show notes, okay, Brother Kyle? You'll find it there. Uh, season two of The Chosen, which we have spoken about here uh, in the Cultural Hall. In fact, I interviewed Dallas Jenkins, the director. It has begun filming on the Goshen um, set that is owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Dallas went to the church, said, hey, you know what? I'd really like to film some stuff there. Church went, ah, I'm not so sure. He went, come on, please. They said, ah, I'm not so sure. They said, ah, we'll let you have The Chosen on BYU TV. And the church went, okay. So now and he they said, are... I'm, I'm like the I'm like a of directors. I'm the Captain Moroni. Yeah. <laughs> so they have begun production <laughs> of season two of The Chosen. They are down on the Goshen set. Uh, in... It looks pretty cool. I it... saw the set there. Well, and they do a tremendous job. If you have not checked out The Chosen, I'll have a link for that in the show notes for this episode as well. Do check it out. It's pretty amazing. And then finally, this uh, BYU just this last weekend, they soundly beat according to this article, uh, Western Kentucky, 41 to 10. Uh, that is the ninth-ranked BYU uh, Cougars. Um, but what happened was, you know how they do like the, um, you know, let's meet at the uh, center field and, you know, we'll tell everybody, not center field, but the center of the field and say, oh, you're great. No, you're great. Congratulations. Great yeah. game well fought. Well, there's a great picture of um, – Kyle Griffiths and uh, Isaiah Kafusi uh, giving two Western Kentucky players <coughs> the Book of Mormon after the game. No, yes, really, I yes, didn't see this. Yes, the picture—it's—it's—it's it's, it's super cool. Now, now, one of the guys, Gunner Britton, he is one of the guys that received the Book of Mormon. He says we were just talking during the game, and I wanted to learn more of their faith. They were great guys, and so. He was I, just trying to pull him off sides. No, <laughs> he was not trying yeah, to Yeah, come here. Out. I want to ask you something. Come here. Oh. 
<laughs> Got him again. Swag. I uh I I thought it was it it I don't know. Just it's just awesome, right? It it the picture is cool. Like there is nothing more BYU than the picture of two Cougars and two Western Kentucky football players <laughs> standing, the ones holding the Book of Mormon. Griffiths explained the interaction. He said they had questions throughout the game. So Isaiah grabbed me and said, hey, let's go two by two. Come help me out with something. Took him I, the- I keep imagining it like between every play. So is uh, was Joseph Smith and Allison. Oh, oh we got- and then it, a play goes. And go, OK, so I get this right. So he found gold. But hey, here we go again. And they <laughs> offsides. <laughs> on the offense, uh, it'll be interesting. You you know that there will be a huge follow up if something happens with those Western Kentucky players and their journey with the faith. That is it for articles of news. I know you're going to get so much more as we uh, do our next episode. That will be articles of news. I promise, brother Kyle will return. We'll be able to visit and make jokes. We promise in the next one, minimal political talk. I won't promise no political talk. But coming up here in the third block, we're talking for a great while. And I apologize about the uh, the audio quality on this. Something happened in the recording, so I had to use the audio from the Zoom recording. It's not as great as it always is, but it is worth sticking around through. Uh, great nuggets of, uh, of truth, tr- quite frankly, uh, that come from the time in um, Liberty Jail. Things that I didn't know about and things that we sort of relate to our time during the pandemic that would relate to the time of Joseph Smith being in Liberty Jail. That is coming up in the third block of the Cultural Hall. At this time, I don't know if I need to have trumpets or like a timpani or, you know, something. Big, exciting news. You guys, I want to tell you about two new great sponsors of the Cultural Hall. This first one is absolutely amazing. They are going to sponsor all of our email correspondence. So whenever you hear me talk about an email that comes in, contact at theculturalhall.com, you are going to hear about Utah Taste Off. Now, you can check these guys out on Facebook at Utah Taste Off or on Instagram at Utah Taste Off. And I'm sorry, everyone who doesn't live in Utah but listens to the Cultural Hall, this is this is amazing. This is um, heaven on earth. Can we call this nearing, if not exactly, the celestial kingdom? What this is, is they have these kits, right? It's boxes of food from different local businesses. You get a placemat and you get to rate like uh, oh, your best whoopie pie, your best dinner roll, soups, chilies, barbecued ribs, uh, mac and cheese. Every week they have something new. You can order it. It obviously costs money. You can find out each one is a varying price. Uh, you pick it up and then you eat it. You rate it. You put it up on the website. These different businesses get the recognition for being uh, the winner of the Utah Taste Off. And you get the uh, recognition for really enjoying yourself and eating great food. So if maybe you're starting to look for that great holiday gift or maybe you just want to put something in your mouth at you didn't have to make. You can do that as well. It's at Utah Taste Off on Instagram and also on Facebook. So check it out. Follow them. And uh, when, when you do, if you order it, let me know what you get because I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna looking into a couple. I man, I there's too many choices for me at this point, but I'd love to hear about your experience with them. And then I can share with other people. And then also uh, our good friends at LDS Bookstore, if you are a longtime listener of the Cultural Hall, you know that way back in the day, my friend Brandon over at LDSBookstore.com, 
They sponsored the show in its early days, and they are back. And they're talking about great Christmas gifts as well. If you want to get something, I, I saw them the other day. They had this gorgeous necklace, you know, the the, uh, the logo, the symbol, the Christus. A great Christus necklace could be a great Christmas gift. If you're looking for a painting, uh, a print for your hallway, maybe over the fireplace, you're looking for uh, great books, something that's uh, laser engraved, scriptures, any type of thing, uh, you can hop online to ldsbookstore.com. Uh, they want to be your source for gifts this holiday season. Check them out, won't you please? LDSbookstore.com. Here in the third block of the cultural hall, you know, something that him, it was really impressed upon my mind as I watched general conferences here was the amount of times that Liberty Jail was mentioned. The time that Joseph Smith, uh, Joseph Smith spent in Liberty Jail and the things that he went through. And I, I got to thinking, you know, first of all, uh, even though I've had the opportunity to go to Liberty Jail, I, I don't know much about it, only that it was a short time. Certainly some of the more famous scriptures about about Joseph Smith's time in Liberty Jail. So what did I do? I went to uh, a person with the church history department and that person said, I'm too busy with this. Go to this guy. And then this other guy said, I've got other things going on. I need you to go to the absolute professional as far as this goes. And that's where we are led to today. I'm joined by Alex Baugh. Thank you for joining me, sir. Thank you so much, Rich. Uh, uh, this is one of my favorite subjects. So you didn't have to convince me. Yeah. I have to say, before we even get into this, I am envious of your backdrop. He and I are able to visit on Zoom. And for those of you that are Patreon subscribers, you get to see the video as well. But I am 99% sure that that is the the Joseph Smith papers volumes that are on that shelf behind you. And I see that, and I see that you have a small fortune in Joseph Smith papers volumes. I only have one to this point. So I am envious of your bookshelves, Alex. Well, thank you very much, Uh, Rich. I was actually privileged to be a co-editor for volumes four, five, and six. So uh, because this covers that period of Missouri history and Mormon history, I should say that uh, I was a privilege to be an editor for those uh, documents volumes. So uh, Documents 11 uh, came out this, this last week. So it's getting ever bigger. Yeah, it, it, it's a tremendous undertaking with the church and something that I know a lot of people appreciate, but certainly I appreciate just being able to see the, the full scope, some things that have never been talked about before, some curious things some odd things, some, I just, I love every bit of it, but that's not what we're here to talk about, Alex. We could spend hours talking about all of those things. Let me ask you uh, on the, on the first and, and the foremost of this whole thing, did you notice the references to Liberty Jail a bunch during general conference? Uh, absolutely. I, I, right off the top of my head, at least four. Rich, that is uh, quite frankly, uh, that's very common. In fact, I think the most referenced Scripture probably for many many conferences uh, in the, is in the Doctrine and Covenants sections 121, 122, or 123. You you almost can't uh, have a general conference without someone referencing at least particularly sections 121, 122. It's just you can count on it, bank on it. They'll they'll quote those sections uh, almost every time. 
but but to me and and whether it was maybe the lord just speaking to me or something that i needed to hear it seemed like there was more than just the one the two the three like you said at least four times and so i i wanted i was curious based on your professional uh, look at all this time you you are one of the foremost and i and i know that you'll push back on that and be like there are many who know more than me but i would be curious as to what you sort of take away from this time that maybe isn't discussed or maybe that we need to shed more of a light on or 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 what about uh joseph's time in liberty jail relates to our time now well uh of course the two particular revelations now canonized as section 121, 122, literally captivate people because of Joseph Smith's pleadings in behalf of himself, but even maybe more so in behalf of his people. And we can learn a lot from those two sections, what it means to suffer, why discipleship will entail hardship and testing and, uh, you know, hoped for relief and the amazing thing about all of that is that the two revelations that are 121 to 122, little did Joseph know, well, I shouldn't say little did he know, but uh, he was going to be out of jail in less than two weeks. Well, about two weeks. Now, he'll be in custody for a couple of more uh, days as they go up to Gallatin, but his suffering, if you will, was almost at an end. Uh, he's almost out. I'm just so glad that he reached his breaking point uh, so that he could express those concerns to God. And we see the end picture, and that is he does get out, he has better days, and uh, relief from the suffering and hardships that was posed upon him and others in Missouri. So the lesson is, uh, hang in there. <laughs> uh, th there's better days ahead. And I think the brethren have emphasized that with the COVID and everything else. Uh, yep, this is a this is a big hiccup, but uh, hang in there. Uh, God God is faithful and merciful and loves His children, and uh, there'll be better times. And so I want to pick up a couple, of, um, I guess, technical questions around Joseph's time in Liberty Jail. Uh, what were the the charges that brought him to be put into Liberty Jail? Now the formal charge. Now he he had a hearing. Uh, actually, sixty four Mormon men. Now, I'm going to refer to them as Mormons. Because back then we were. Yeah, it's a historical term. Sure. Uh, if we were talking contemporary to today, we'd want to follow President Nelson's admonition to refer to always the church by the name mm -hmm. church. But uh, for historical purposes, let's just say Mormon. But um, uh, he and 64 other men had been uh, arrested and a preliminary hearing had taken place in Richmond. So let me just kind of give a little timeline. Uh, Joseph is actually arrested on October 31st, 1838. Uh, he's held in custody for a couple of days. It's during this time he's a court-martial is taken place. He's taken under arrest by the Missouri militia authorities. And uh, he has a defense attorney. The, Lord, the Mormons had employed for six years, almost six years, actually five at this point. But uh, Donovan, Alexander W. Donovan is his and the church attorney, even though he's not a member of the church, they're paying. Mm -hmm. and, uh, he's also a member of the state militia, and his superior officer ordered that Joseph Smith be shot. They held a court-martial and uh, ordered that he be shot by, by firing squad, whatever. And uh, he and the others, he was arrested with 
uh, several other men, uh, Hiram Smith, Sidney Rigdon, uh, Lyman White. Uh, I got to go on my brain here. but <laughs> And then uh, the day after that, uh, uh, Hiram Smith is arrested. Also, uh, let's see, Amos Lyman, uh, several others. So they're Donovan uh, interceded. They were not charged or they were not shot. And uh, he, he would have taken the, his superior commander, a man by the name of Samuel Lucas. Uh, he would have, uh, he said, you, you, you shoot these men. I'm an attorney and I'll hold you responsible because Joseph Smith could not be tried by a military court. He was a civilian. So uh, the commanding officer, this Samuel Lucas, didn't know what to do with him and these other prisoners. So he decided, well, I'm just gonna get them away from far west. And uh, he decides to take them down to Independence. And they arrive there on November 4th. They're there until the, the 8th. And he receives word from uh, his superior commander, a man by the name of John B. Clark, that they are to take them over to Richmond where a hearing will be held. So on the 8th of November, they're, they're transported over to Richmond. They arrive on the 9th and um, for the next uh, nearly three weeks, they're going to have a preliminary hearing. This is a hearing in which they're just uh, trying to determine if there's probable cause. Is there, did the Mormons do something illegal? The end of that hearing, which again, it was not a to, to sentence, uh, there was probable cause found. There was no place for Joseph, for all these prisoners. Over 20 were put in a, a jail there in Richmond, and then these leading prisoners, and this is the six that go in, uh, Joseph, Sidney, Joseph Smith, Sidney Rigdon, Smith, and then Alexander McCray, Caleb Baldwin, and Lyman White are sentenced to be imprisoned in Liberty. Liberty was a very secure prison. It was, it was uh, built in 1833, so it's not that old, but it's the county jail, and uh, these prisoners over in Richmond were eventually released except a few, and that's Parley P. Pratt and Lumen Gibbs, uh, Morris Phelps, they're actually in prison even longer than Joseph Smith and these other prisoners at Liberty. But the point I'm making here, Rich, is that for a whole entire month, it's being arraigned and tried over in Richmond while he's down in Independence and Richmond. And then finally, the, the King, Judge King, who heard the case, said, we're going to bound these six prisoners over to Liberty Jail to stand the charge of treason. It's the state of Missouri. And Joseph's charge was treason uh, in the county of Davies County. And uh, the five, there's five of those who are charged with treason in Davies County and Sidney Rigdon's charged with treason in Caldwell County. And the charge of treason is non-bailable. You can't post bail and say, okay, we'll come back for the hearing. What, so, was, what was the justification for treason, though? What, well, like, what was the uh, treasonous act that they purportedly did? Yes, uh, this, this gets into a whole different kind of discussion. But the point simply was, in late October, Joseph Smith and about 200 um, Latter-day Saint men went up into Davies County, and they were trying to basically send a message to those men and people, vigilantes who were perpetrating acts of violence against Latter-day Saints to uh, let's put them, uh, let's put this to rest and we'll, we'll, we're going to take the law into our own hands. Now that uh, they actually, uh, a group of Mormon men burned and, and drove out, you might say uh, a number of men in the small community of Gallatin and over in Millport and in what they call the Grindstone Fork settlement. But they're 
to charge Joseph Smith, but the interesting thing is he was up there, but he was at Adam on Diamond. He wasn't even in this, this raiding party. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't there. He wasn't, yeah. he, couldn't, he couldn't be charged if he wasn't there. And so uh, he knows himself that there's no way he, he, he didn't do anything. He was up. He was just up there. Mm-hmm. There was some other Mormon man that who had actually carried out this, uh, these activities. So uh, he charged the, the five of them were charged with uh, treason up there in Davies County. Now Lyman White was uh, part of that group and he probably could have been charged uh, legally in that company. Uh, but uh, for Joseph to be charged with that or Hiram and, uh, and Sydney wasn't there either. So that, that was a real trumped up charge. But uh, Sydney was actually charged in Caldwell County, probably for his bombastic, uh, on, on July 4th, he basically uh, did this sermon in which he called for uh, the Mormons to now go after everybody, and this will now be a, a war of extermination. So, uh, but you can say anything you want, but uh, uh, Rigdon, Rigdon was charged with treason, I think, for his kind of uh, bombastic, uh, we're coming after you if you come against us uh, yeah. thing. So, so that's, it's, that's, a much, that's not a great summary, but the point is uh, they're, they're actually in custody for over a month before they have this hearing and it's held and the judge says, okay, we're going to have a, a final hearing for you, but in the meantime, you can't post bail and we're going to send you over to Liberty Jail and to await your hearing. Their hearing was to have taken place on March 7th, I believe it was. I'm right in there. It eventually gets postponed. Uh, and they'll finally have that hearing, but it's not going to be held in Liberty. It's going to be held up in Gallatin because the so-called crimes were actually taken pl- had actually taken place in Davies County. So Joseph will be there. They, at that point in time, Joseph knows he's got to sit in that jail as well as his prison companions uh, for a long time. At least they get over here on December 1st. The reason we know that is because Joseph writes a letter to Emma on that day and tells her we're over here in Liberty, and uh, this is where we got to stay until uh, the trial. And, uh, and and so that's how we know the actual date they entered the jail. And he'll stay there for 127 days, as long as well as five, four of the others. Now, City Rigdon will get released early. They'll have a hearing for him early, and he gets released on February 5th. So he he's in there for 67 days, but Joseph and uh, and Caleb Baldwin, Hiram Smith, the others, they're in there for 127 days. They actually get out on April 6th, kind of ironically. Yeah. And then they, they take three days to go to Gallatin. Uh, at Gallatin, they have a hearing presented by a very good attorney. His name, at this point in time, it's not Donovan. It's a guy by the name of, of uh, Stephen Hardman Burnett. Excuse me, Peter Hardman Burnett. And Burnett's an incredible guy. And uh, he asked for a change of venue. Uh, at the hearing because the man who's uh, the judge up there is the was the prosecuting attorney in the preliminary hearing <laughs> and he's he's not going to have a fair hearing you were the prosecutor yeah so they uh, they got a change of venue but at the same time uh, we know that this was uh, just to summarize the entire event this whole uh, chart these these whole charges against Joseph Smith and the prisoners was basically to hold them hostage the Mormons had left the state as agreed upon by the extermination order. Hmm. And once the extermination, once the Mormons were le- had left, uh, they were going to let Joseph Smith and these other Mormon prisoners go. It's exactly what happened. The Latter-day Saints 
uh, fulfilled their obligation. They left the state, most of them in February. And uh, the guards uh, guarding Joseph Smith and the other prisoners uh, who were to take them down to Boone County, that's where the, the hearing was, to, the final uh, hearing was to be, take place. The uh, guards were said that they had received instruction to just to let them go. Hmm. Uh, charge you guys, we probably need to charge every person who did something against the Mormons. So they're actually, Joseph Smith purchases a couple of horses from the guards and, uh, uh, and they're permitted to leave and they make their way out of the state. And Joseph arrives over in Quincy, uh, which is where most of the Latter-day Saints had assembled. And he arrives there on April 22nd. So it's about a 10 day journey from Yellow Creek where he was released uh, to uh, go over to uh, Quincy and he made his way across the river. And, and yet, unfortunately, uh, the next governor uh, will uh, come after Joseph Smith, at least try. There's three times Joseph's extradition attempts to try to get Joseph Smith to uh, be tried, uh, bring back to, brought back to Missouri to, uh, to have uh, the charges uh, levied against him again. So that's the, that's the long end of things. But uh, the big bulk of that time was spent in this uh, rustic, uh, dark, dingy jail. So what are the things, as we get just to the right, to the heart of it, what are the, what are the misconceptions about the time uh, in Liberty Jail that we have? One thing that I was particularly, when I had the opportunity to go to the church historic site that I was interested to learn, is that's not where the jail was. Where we have the site is not the actual jail. So you just kind of go to a place that's in tribute, as I understand it, to Liberty Jail, but that, that isn't the jail at all. Well, you're, you're correct in one sense. Um, it's, it's on the same spot, but I'll just take you to the jump ahead here. The jail uh, was used until 1858. And by that time, it began to have some structural problems. And uh, so in 1858, it was used as an ice house. What people would do back in those days is they'd take big blocks of ice out of the river in the winter and uh, cut them, put them in burlap bags and sawdust, and uh, they put them in this jail. And it, believe me, it's four foot thick jail walls. <laughs> so uh, it was a good uh, insulator, I guess you might say. And uh, they still used it as an ice house. And then by the 1870s, it was beginning to crumble. It was beginning to deteriorate. In fact, our earliest photograph is about 1878. And you can see its deterioration. The roof's pretty much gone. Nonetheless, uh, by 1904, a man by the name of Homer Stevens bought the property and uh, he decided to build a house on it. But he, you, you can see anyone who's seen pictures of it, uh, this jail with these huge blocks of stone, that even in, in a uh, scattered condition, these are huge stones and these stones were so heavy that uh, Homer Stevens decided to build a portion, make the, the jail his cellar. <laughs> So he built this house. We know he was in there in 1904, and then he died that very year. It over and it, the house turned over to his son, uh, Leroy Stevens. And Leroy Stevens, uh, like I say, there's this this cellar area has got some of the original stonework. Well, in 1939, Wilford Wood, a man who lives in uh, who lived in Woods Cross, Utah, Bountiful area, was able to persuade the next owner, a guy by the name of uh, Fisher, to sell him that house. And he said he knew he, he had the portions of the original jail in the cellar was as the foundation. And so he, uh, he notified church authorities and he turned that, that uh, 
the deed of the house over to uh, Heber J. Grant and the first presidency, and they didn't do anything with it. And uh, Wilford Wood was kind of upset. Finally, had some missionaries, a senior couple missionaries from Bountiful go there. And so people, uh, if they knew about it, would go to that house and the, the senior missionaries would, would take them downstairs and say, okay, here's where the original jail is. And they jumped original stonework. Well, uh, jump ahead again, uh, the 1950s, we have Alvin R. Dyer there as the mission president, the Central States Mission. And uh, a small branch is meeting in that house. Fortunately, the house was uh, had some bad termite problems, so it was condemned. And uh, Alvin R. Dyer, as mission president, was later called, just when he was released, he was called into the, to be an assistant of the Quorum of the Twelve. And he told David O. McKay, we've got this house. It's uh, the uh, foundation of the original Liberty Jails there. Why don't we do something with it? And so under the direction of, of uh, Alvin R. Dyer, uh, they drew up plans and said, okay, we've got some original stonework, what we can do with it. And um, out of this came the, the reconstructed, you might call it, uh, Rich, uh, Liberty Jail. Uh, it's built slightly off uh, from where it was actually, the foundation was, but they, they if you've, as you've been there or anyone who's been there, it's kind of in a rotunda and, um, and it's, a, it's a partial cutaway. So you can kind of see general layout or the general structure of the original jail. But some of that stonework uh, is some of the original stones of the foundation of the jail. So to answer your question or my comments are centered on the fact that, yes, a portion of the jail has been reconstructed but the, uh, as part of the reconstruction, but the bulk of that is, is just a reconstructed uh, cutaway. So getting more to kind of the spiritual side, we've talked a lot about like the circumstances to get him there and the building itself. I would hope that in the time that we have remaining, we could hit maybe, I don't know, anywhere between maybe three and five things of a, of a spiritual nature, either trials that maybe we don't understand that Joseph went through or things that we can take from his experience there and relate to the experience that we have going on, or if there, or there are other things uh, that are of particular note that, that we not only can know, but should know about Joseph's time in Liberty Jail. Well, yeah, that uh, we could go on for quite some time, but <laughs> yeah. uh, let me just say this. Uh, this jail is 22 feet by 22 and a half feet on the outside and uh, four foot thick walls. Now that's consisting of stone, a loose mortared rock, a loose rock, and then a foot of pylon. So about a four foot wall structure. You reduce that down all the way around and that means the interior is 14 feet by 14 and a half feet. Now, my office in this, uh, in my BYU office is probably a little bit bigger than that. Now, I don't know about you, but there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of uh, light. There's, uh, it's dingy, it's dark. Uh, psychologically, uh, I think it could about drive a person crazy. That said, uh, Joseph Smith did get outside. So did the other, all the prisoners did. Uh, we know from uh, a, a Ford, a a man by the last name by the name of Ford, he was the deputy sheriff. He said, I took them out and occasionally gave them a, a good meal at a local tavern. <laughs> um, he, they were able to visit with their attorney there, Alexander Donovan. They visited with another attorney, Wilford Wood or um, William Wood. So they did get out. They probably even gave them a chance to get out to use the, the, the bathroom. Uh, 
they're getting out, but I don't know about you, but that those confines can be get awful close. And Ford said himself that uh, they would oftentimes get sore eyes. It's just so dark and dingy. Now, uh, so the I guess the thing I'm saying is it's it's a terrible place to be. Sure. And there is the misconception, and I think some people think that they were actually in the basement all the time. Now that's the dungeon cell or so on, but all the evidence points to the fact that they were actually up there during the day. They were in the main floor, the, the more conducive floor, you might say. But at night, they would open a trap door, and they would put a ladder down, and then they would have to go down in the night, and they would have to, in the, the bottom cell, the dungeon cell, uh, during the evening hours. And, then, and it's cold. It's, this is winter. This is uh, main part. <laughs> It's not nice. They tried to put some uh, fire down there, but there's no flu. There's no place for it to go. They would smoke them out. Yeah. And they're in straw. They don't have mattresses. You know, they had blankets. They're always cold. Hmm. So you can just imagine psychologically and physically, this is, this is terrible. And if you get sick, everybody gets sick. The, the, the sanitary conditions are not good. Now, uh, I've found evidence that there was a, a stove on the upper floor. So during the day, they bring them up. It's easy for them to be fed there. The jailer brought them their food, but they could have, if he would have permitted them, they could have actually cooked their own food. But that entails a lot of problems. They have to bring the food to them. They have to fix it. Uh, it gives them utensils to cut. So they don't want to give them those because they could be used as weapons. Mm -hmm. So they were brought food and they didn't like it. It was terrible. Uh, Hiram said it was, or Joseph said it was uh, scant, not much, uniform, meaning same thing every day, and uh, uh, it just wasn't good. Uh, they, they didn't starve, but take all those factors and go, wow, no wonder it's a miserable place. Now, they did have visitors. I'm documenting at this point in time, I think about 70 visitors would visit them, uh, could visit them, uh, including their attorneys. There's non-LDS. Uh, we have a number of, of Latter-day Saints coming down from far west. Uh, particularly until mid-February, because the Saints haven't left Missouri yet. So for a period of about two and a half months, December and January, half of February, they're they're getting visitors all the time. And they're permitted inside. Obviously, they're checked. There was probably a guardhouse outside. And uh, they're permitted to talk and exchange letters. Uh, we know uh, they brought food. Emma brought some clothing. Emma comes there three times. She She comes the week after he gets there on the 8th and 9th. Of, of December. Uh, she goes back home, comes back down, I believe it's the 20th, 21st and 22nd of December. She stays for a couple of days, probably stayed upstairs while they were put downstairs in the evening. I always wondered, why didn't Emma stay till December 23rd? That was Joseph's birthday. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, and then she comes back in January, we know with Joseph Smith III, her, the, their oldest son. And uh, so we know she came three times. Uh, Mary Fielding came uh, late January. just didn't, She didn't spend much time. Uh, she was not well, but she did bring Joseph F. Smith, future president of the church. And uh, I've done an article on that. It looks like Joseph F. Smith was blessed by Hiram, his father, in the jail. So they, were, they had visitors. I've found another little piece of evidence that uh, they also permitted Joseph Smith to let him have his dog for a period of time. His name was Old Major. He was an English Mastiff. Now, he may have had to sleep outside, I'm not sure, but uh, 
these allowances were given to prisoners in their situation that they could have family, friends, colleagues, and so on. So it wasn't entirely like they were shut out from the outside world completely, but but there was, uh, you know, it, it's still, it's terrible. It's a terrible, terrible thing to be confined and limited on in your in your freedoms. Yeah, I'll tell I'll tell you what. As you as you say that, uh, I'm thinking of the last seven ish months or so, and thinking of sure, I've been able to kind of see some people and you know be able to interact on some level, but my food has been scant and very often the same thing day after day. I truly feel that a, a lot of the similarities, although we are very privileged here in the United States, certainly, that our circumstances are not these circumstances, though our feelings may, you know, may feel the same, where once upon a time, we were really truly able to do whatever we wanted. Some of those things are not afforded us at this time, and that's just for public health and safety. But I happen to, th- I, I have to think that there's maybe, maybe more to all of it than just that, right? There, yeah, I mean, there. There, there are the similarities, but there has to be something more that we can kind of draw on this experience. So we have, here's the challenge, Alex. We got about five minutes for whatever you want to push into this time. I would love to know what what maybe your takeaway in the parallel from that time and our time is, or if there's something that, that you just wish you could scream from the rooftops that people know about Joseph's time in Liberty Jail that, that we need to know and we need to talk about. Wow, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the, the the main thrust here, I can tell. And and I just have to say, uh, we have nine letters from Joseph Smith from Liberty Jail. And you see, you 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 know, letters and journals reveal the inner man or inner woman. And his very his first one was just a quickie to Emma saying, uh, "We're down here. Uh, we're, we're we've arrived today. We're going to be here." she hurries and jumps down the next week and comes and sees him. And, but um, the second letter he writes, he is angry. Oh my gosh, poor Joseph. He shouldn't be there. It's, it was the hearing is he doesn't know all the ramifications of it, but he knows he's not guilty. And yet here I am. Now this is not right. And and he, he he's quite, uh, quite denunciatory of those who got him in this position because there was people who uh, could I say testified against him or turned against him? That's the better word. And they caused this problem. And so he's very, very angry. But again, Liberty Jail mellows him. Boy, you see these letters just change over time. In fact, I think it's the letter he writes the last, the next to last night before he goes. He knows they're going to leave and go up to Gallatin this hearing, which he thought would be the final hearing, but they have the change of venue. And, and he says something to the effect to Emma, I, I will, my heart has changed. My, uh, I, I don't want to see Missouri again, but um, he, he seems to say that uh, he's learned some things and he's understood some things that he probably could understand no other way. If I could just say it maybe this way, he knows God's with him, especially those uh, letters that uh, are canonized. Uh, God is with you uh, forever and ever. Uh, thy days are numbered, not be numbered less, you know, take courage, you're going to be okay. And I think Carth- or Liberty Jail changed Joseph Smith, it changed his heart. He's more compassionate. He's more understanding. He's, he's gone through a refiner's fire that only this could produce. And 
you could you could have financial hardships, and that's maybe your trial. Uh, it, it could be uh, family relationships. It could be uh, setbacks of any kind. But this jail caused him to think, to reflect, and to go, okay, what do I need to do better once I get out of here? How does the church? How do I lead the church once I'm once I'm done? And he's a more compassionate man. He's a more a more Christ-like man. He is just does something to him. And by the way, uh, I, I think he's absolutely courageous because he knows he won't be taken before his time. I, I think uh, from 1820 to 30, he's unsure of himself, but the church gets organized. So he's rather confident. Church is growing. Church is moving forward in the 1830s. After Liberty Jail, he's absolutely courageous. Hmm. He knows God's with him. He did tell Lyman White, according to Lyman White, that he would probably only have about five years. And, and he was a much different leader uh, as a result of this. I think that's a lesson for him, but it's a lesson for us as well. Well, well said. And I think maybe we kind of leave it there. Like, uh, certainly our circumstances different um, than Joseph in Liberty Jail, but Will this time, in fact, make us different? Will we take the opportunity to be self-reflective, to, to know that God won't take us before our time, but what can we learn? How can we have greater compassion on those that are around us? Um, those things that, that only the world coming to a grinding halt could teach us, what can we take away from all this? You know, Alex, everyone who steps into the cultural hall, they ask, or I ask them three questions. And so I have to ask those of you. Are you ready for this? Sure. The first <laughs> question is, yeah, sure, he says, not knowing what the questions are. Uh, the first question is, is do you have a calling currently right now? And if so, what is it? Uh, well, I don't like to advertise it too much. <laughs> but I'm uh, on the Correlation Review Committee. I review the materials produced by... Uh, the church for publication. Okay. That is a conversation we should have a whole other time, but I'm glad to, I would be curious to know about all that, but I didn't know that was a calling. I thought that was a job. Uh, actually, it is a calling and um, they uh, went through my bishop and that's supposed to be the only calling I have. Uh, I am a minister. I, you know, I, I have a ministering assignment, but uh, it's actually called the Material Evaluations Committee of, under the Correlation Department. Okay. All right. If you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? <laughs> well, the, the sweetest calling I ever had was a bishop. And I feel those are the men that, uh, and the people that make the most difference in people's lives. But I'm uh, certainly content with any calling, but I, I would like to be known as the best uh, minister. Yeah, I, I could just really enjoy trying to reach out to people. Uh, and a good, and a real good minister is hard to come by. There are a, a really truly good minister that cares about the families of which he's assigned is a tremendous service. I've had the opportunity to be kind of serviced by some of those um, real great ministers in my life. So worthwhile. The final question that we ask everyone, and I would ask you to interpret this however you would like, but the question remains: What is your favorite part of your faith? Wow, that's a great, I have never been asked that question. I guess it's the, uh, the fact that the gospel uh, gives you an eternal perspective. Gosh, I'm getting a little emotional here. Uh, you're, you're not as old as I am, Rich, but uh, I'm, I'm in the last third of my life. And yet, uh, you know, when I was uh, 20, 30, 40, I was indomitable. I mean, 
didn't even think about death, didn't even think about the life hereafter. Now I think about it every day. Hmm. Uh, had some health challenges. Colleagues died on Tuesday. His funeral, he's died in the saddle. He was a professor here, dies at 61. But the gospel gives you hope. There's something else. There's something more, more than just mortality. And that's what we need to live for. I want to be in the celestial first ward. I, I, I mean, there's probably a whole bunch, but I hope that God will accept my sacrifice. And uh, I'm doing it uh, because I know there's something on mortality. Beautifully said. Uh, well, Alex, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen to it this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen to it next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the cultural hall. Okay. <laughs> Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat on the back row.